Today's episode is from East Africa. We're telling the story of this woman. Um, so hi everyone, Samoina here. I am a maternal mental health advocate and I live in Nairobi, Kenya. And I'm glad to be on the podcast. Samoina was born into a family of four in Nairobi, Kenya. When she was about 10, her family moved to Rongai, a small town on the outskirts of Nairobi. But one memory that particularly stands out is um, we, when I was about 10 years, no, nine, eight, nine, ten 10 years that boat, we moved to a periurban um, place outside, outside of the city. So then this came with a lot more space to play around, a lot more kids to play around, a lot more frolicking in the dirt. And I remember we didn't have electricity. So there was a lot of time to play scrabble. There was a lot of time to just bond and just be. Samoina finished high school at the age of 16 and went on to study biochemistry at the Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology. When she graduated from the uni, she interned at a pharmaceutical company before moving to another company as a medical sales representative. While working there, she met a man with who she hit it off with. We'll call him the father of her child, Pahari Quest. How long had you been working at this job when you started a relationship with him? Two to three months. I hadn't okay. been there long enough. But I remember I was also at a stage of my life where I'm thinking, I mean, you meet interesting people, you shoot your shots. You know, life is for the people who are living. <laughs> so you like someone, you let them know you want to hang out, you hang out. So I think that was the attitude I had at the time. Like, I mean, shoot your shot. There's really nothing you lose. Which is why two to three months wasn't mm-hmm. I it didn't feel like a big deal. Samoina started dating this man in February 2011, and in April she realized she was pregnant. Looking back, I can tell the day I got pregnant. Somehow, deep down, you just know it's happened. So, like even with the pregnancy test, I knew I was just doing them so that I can be sure. Samoina's pregnancy changed the course of her life and kickstarted what she would later understand to be postpartum depression. Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin and I like girls. This is a podcast about African women and the different experiences life chose as us for being women. Welcome to season two of the podcast. If you still haven't listened to season one, I highly recommend that you do after this episode. It is available on any streaming platform you're listening on right now. In this episode, we discuss postpartum depression and explore Samoina's journey to healing. Trigger warning, this episode contains discussion of depression and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Samoina realized she was pregnant in April 2011. She was 22 years old at the time. But deep down, I knew like my life had changed because my body changed. I was feeling a very weird kind of lethargy. You know, my boobs now are feeling fuller than they used to feel. Um, my abdomen area just feels very, very weird because one day I was wearing trousers I could fit and then the next day those official pants cannot fit around the waist. And I remember just thinking, hmm. I mean, it can be the fries, you know. <laughs> it's it's got to be something more. So, you know, I did the pregnancy test and two of them. And they showed very dark red lines, 
you know like in defiance like we are here to stay we are not going anywhere there was a lot of anxiety surrounding her decision to get tested her life as she knew it was about to change forever i cried a good one first of all i cried you know like the ugly cry naisha the cry where your nose your eyes everything is just you know mm. um i did that whole ugly cry because i'm like oh my god it was an ugly cry of both extremes like oh my god i'm going to be a mom and then oh my god shit i'm going to be a mom at 22 who does that like why why did you get yourself here you're supposed to be those those that especially you are supposed to be doing x y z not thinking about raising a child so those both extremes of oh my god i can't believe like i'm actually going to be a mom to someone that was like 15% then the other 75% or 85% was just oh shit look at what you got yourself into so those that those that polarity and see and i kept swinging from one end of the spectrum to the other that same day she called the child's father and he took the news well but then i called the father of my child um he was supportive in words at the time and i like to think that was what i needed at that time i needed for him to say like we are going to go through this we're going to journey through this will be fine i needed for him to say that at that time because i didn't know what my parents reaction was going to look like so him saying we're going to be okay um you know we're going to pull through we're going to be fine is what i needed to hear whether it was true or not at that time that's what i needed to hear because i didn't know what my parents would react next she texted her younger sister to give her the news she didn't have the courage to put a call through to her Her sister was disappointed because she never said it like babali but I'd think because I mean I was still young I still hadn't figured my life out live alone another baby that you bring into the world so now I have to figure my life out as a person who's adulting and I have to figure my son's life out or my you know child's life out So I think I don't know my hunch would tell me she was just disappointed because I mean you're still figuring life yourself so why would you bring someone else on board for that but she told me she wasn't going to tell my parents so she was just going to keep it between me and her you know she was supportive the best way she knew how and I'm grateful for that I'm I'm grateful that she didn't push me away because I don't know what that would have done to me Samoina was relieved to know that her sister had her back, but she worried about how her parents would take the news. If you're from an African home, you know that conversations like this aren't particularly easy to have, especially if your parents like Samoina's are conservative. I was not living with my parents at the time. My sister was living in a hostel, so I wasn't living with my I was living alone. My parents were, you know, the place where we relocated to in Rongai and my sister was in um in campus in school. and i was living alone i mean i have my own money my own space my own time my own everything so i was living alone <laughs> she was no longer dependent on her parents but she knew it would hurt her if they turned their backs on her my parents um are or have been conservative so aisha when i tell you i was hella scared 
in capital letters, underlined, font, font 72. That's what I was. Because I knew I hadn't been raised that way. Um, and now here I am bringing a child to them. Uh, I was scared. And I knew we would not do too well with the SMS or phone thing. So I had to tell them face to face, but I didn't know how. Samuina's family, despite living in different places, used to meet every Sunday at church. After church, they would all walk together for a bit and chat. It was during one of these Sunday walks that her mom noticed the changes in her body. So we'd been meeting with my mom, but then she's also noticing these changes. I, eh, this body, she just doesn't look the same. And, and you know, um, like there's all these memes that go around pregnancy and they say the first place to look at if you want to know someone is pregnant or if you think you're pregnant is your nose because your nose starts breathing for like <laughs> 10 people. It just grows bigger. And so my mom is looking at me and she's seen all these changes. But she, she I mean, she, she doesn't know what to attribute it to. And so one day walking in town, I was like, I'm just going to tell her. Um, she was with my sister, so my sister knew, but my mom didn't know. And I remember just thinking, you know what? Ah, today's the day. So I just blatted out and I told her. I am, I, I don't even remember how far along I was at the time, but I just told her, Mom, I'm pregnant. What? I have never, ever, ever, ever seen my mom that disappointed my whole life. I've not seen her that broken, that disappointed, that heartbroken. It, it just, it broke her. Samoina, her mom and sister were in the middle of the streets in front of a random shop when she blurted out the news. Her mom took it hard. She walked away and didn't say much after that. But I was just ugly crying because I'm like, I've never seen my mom so broken. Look what I did to her. And at the time, I remember just thinking maybe I should have, you know, aborted and not have had to face um, seeing my mom that broken. But she also told me she wouldn't tell my dad. I'd have to tell him in person. Uh, and now this was like the square of Hello, hella terrified. This this was much bigger because I'm like, how am I going to tell my dad that you know I'm pregnant and I can't even. At the time, the the father of my child had had not yet met my parents, so they didn't know. So I was just totally confused, wondering how to do it. So again, I pulled a whole surprise move because I was like, I can't I can't see that disappointment again. Samuina cried all the way back to her apartment. She decided it was best to tell her father without facing him. This way, she wouldn't have to experience a similar reaction firsthand. A few weeks later, she found the right opportunity to tell him. So I wrote my dad a note. We went for a family function. After the family function, I slipped him a note on the dashboard of the car. And we weren't going the same direction. So they were going home and I was going, I think, to sleep at my grandmother's place. And later, my mom would tell me, my dad looked at that note and said that he's afraid that note doesn't have good news. And if he reads it at that time, he's afraid he'll crash the car. So he didn't read it at that time. He read it the next day. He was disappointed. Yeah, he was very, very disappointed. Her parents' disappointment hurt her a lot. 
so much that she decided to create an exit plan just in case they push her aside. It's not the type of exit plan you'd anticipate. I'll tell you more about it after the break. I remember a few years back when I couldn't save money to save my life. I was so bad with money that whenever my salary dropped, I would either run to my favorite restaurant or order new outfits off Instagram. And by the second week of the month, I would be so broke. This habit made everyone around me worried. My parents, my friends, even my boyfriend used to say, Babe, you need to start saving. Then one day, my colleague introduced me to PiggyVest and I absolutely fell in love with their piggy bank future. What I love the most about Piggy Bank is that it's flexible because it allows me save automatically, whether that be daily, weekly, or monthly. By helping me save consistently, Piggy Bank has changed my relationship with money and my life is so, so much better for it. Everyone can save with PiggyVest today. Download the app from Google Play or Apple Store to register and start saving. Welcome back. We're still with Samoina. Um, I remember telling God, if my parents, like everyone else can reject me, I don't really care. But if my parents reject me, I made a suicide plan. And I knew, so then I'm not going to go into details because part of the work with our mental health is you don't describe suicide plans vividly you know, for obvious reasons, in case someone is struggling, then that's not something they want to hear. But I made a suicide plan. I knew the exact time. I knew the exact place. And I, like I knew, I'd, I'd already finalized it in my mind. And I was like, if my parents reject me, then God, you'd better be prepared because I'm coming. You know, I'm coming to meet you there. So just make sure they don't reject me. It was that bad. The, 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 they imagining how disappointed they'd be. And then now in the I remember in the first trimester, the nightmares would not stop. At the time she didn't know it, but she was depressed for most of her pregnancy. Her nightmares became worse. So I'd still, especially that one of screaming newborns. And and if you know newborns, they have a very particular cry. They don't cry like maybe a, a child who's what, eight months. They have a, a shrill mm-hmm piercing cry and and that's now those are the nightmares i'd get i'd get nightmares a lot of bloody nightmares i don't know why i had a lot of fear of either me dying or losing the baby uh, so i was struggling mentally i was struggling my workplace i was still on probation you know as much as it was a new job it was still on probation so it was not a confirmed position and that sort of put my job in jeopardy because then they could decide that after probation we are done with you um, so there's a lot going on in my mind. This, this, um, the father to my child still hadn't like committed with actions. Like he'd say it, yes, but um, you know, I'm not seeing that translating to actions. In all of this, her baby's father was absent and non-committal. He didn't follow his verbal support with the required actions. We'll get to that shortly. But gladly now, fast forward, my parents were disappointed. Yes. But they didn't like, now you're an outcast, don't call yourself by our names. No, 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 they didn't do all that. Were they disappointed? Yes. 
were they absolutely just heartbroken yes but they didn't cast me away or chase me out they're like we're still gonna be your parents you know and that that helped a great deal because then i was like okay then i'm not i'm not gonna go this suicide way let's see and um so they took their time to come around in their own individual ways and um around towards the end of the second trimester third trimester they buy things for the baby for this baby who they don't know whether it's a boy or a girl so I'd go home and find diapers I'd go home and find tiny socks I'd go home and find a basin so then I mean it started showing me that they were coming around and I was very very oh my god very grateful for that because I don't know I don't know what I'd have done without their support I don't know if I'd be here let's just be honest because I even prepared like a report yeah. of what they were gonna say like in case they find I've died by suicide that already written something so it was just a dark place to be honestly the support from her parents meant the world to her but there was another struggle that made things difficult there was no one in her circle of friends that could relate to what she was going through uh, maybe also to point out social support at the time many of my friends were not moms yet So I found myself like in my clique of girlfriends I was one of maybe two or three who had a baby so the rest of my friends they don't relate to morning sickness they don't relate to feeling bloated they don't relate to oh my god I have to go to the toilet for the a millionth time today they don't relate to that so I found myself I don't blame them because we just now weren't in the same seasons of life you know so we started distancing and then with that came a lot of i feel alone i feel incredibly alone i feel like no one understands i don't know it was just a very lonely stage of life her pregnancy was a medically difficult one too there was one particular morning that she woke up to some bleeding so I wake up and and i remember the blood and i'm not trying to gross anyone out It's just that I think it might help someone, but the blood was bright red, you know, bright, very bright red and very clumpy. So I was like, no, this is not. Uh, it just doesn't sit right with my spirit. There's something wrong. So I call this guy, and I'm like, hey, I'm bleeding. Would you like take me to hospital? And he he was busy, so. I couldn't take me to hospital. When the father of her child didn't come true, she reached out to a friend who accompanied her to the hospital. So we go to we go to the hospital and the doctor asks about my job and of course there was a lot of traveling there was a lot of up and about and he said maybe that might have contributed to um to the pregnancy threatening to come out. Um he asked about my stress levels. Australia was hella stressed. I didn't know where the money would come from. Um, my parents were still coming around and i didn't want to make my burden their burden and and he said maybe maybe it's a stress because i didn't mention to the doctor i was feeling suicidal i don't know i just i don't know why i didn't mention it but maybe i was just afraid i don't know i don't know why i didn't mention it but i didn't mention it so told me maybe it's a stress and he recommended bed rest um and gave me medication and told me to come back after one week 
But then after, before telling me all that, he had to do the scan. And I'll never forget hearing that baby's heartbeat. Oh my God. It's, it, was, it was like balm for my soul. Because like, like in the middle of all these shenanigans, this baby is still fighting to be here. So that, ah, that was, that was quite something. And, and yeah. babies, like, babies in utero have a very um, high, high heart rate. The doctor recommended bed rest. It was around this time she realized that the father of her child would not be part of her pregnancy. He never accompanied her for any antenatal classes and showed very little interest in her pregnancy. So I'm like, oh, hey, don't you just want to be involved? Don't you want to know how the baby is doing? How tall they're going to be? What? I mean, don't you just want to know anything? It was like, oh, yeah, I'll take you next. Like the next clinic, I'll take you. And I was like, okay, cool. So then the next clinic comes around the date, like a, a day or two before. I'm like, hey, what's up? Um, see you, you know, you'll come with me to the clinic. And he's like, I'm sorry. My favorite team is playing football that day. So I can't make it. Yeah, apparently his football team's game was more important than the woman carrying his child. Samoina gave many other examples. Like the time she invited him to visit the hospital she was scheduled to deliver in. He was already halfway there when he turned around and claimed he was too tired to see the hospital. But there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of, it takes two to tango. So why are you acting like I got this pregnancy from sneezing? Like, it takes two to tango. You were happy. So why are you not pulling your weight? So just realizing I was going to be alone. Those, ah, I had to save up like crazy. And then at the same time, at my workplace, they didn't particularly support women getting pregnant during probation. Ah, a lot of work politics. So my immediate supervisor made sure that I got fired. And I remember, I know I was fired on unjust grounds. Wait, oh my God. So you were pregnant and they fired you while you were going through all of this. The the company did, like, they ended up knowing that the father of this child is a fellow colleague. And the company oh. does, the policy, company policy doesn't support that. Um. So then, I mean, it becomes, they don't support it. It's not illegal but they don't support it. So the company culture right. doesn't like it. So it's always easier to get rid of the woman, isn't it? She's the one who's going to be asking for maternity leave and breastfeeding time and whatnot. So Samoina got fired and was left with no means of income to cater to herself and her unborn child. She was asked to stay back after work hours in the office and handed papers saying her sales numbers were poor and they would be letting her go. But but you see, I they wouldn't they wouldn't tell you Aisha we are firing you for being for carrying so and so's pregnancy, because then you can always take that up the legal way. So it becomes oh you're not performing, oh you see you took a I don't know some time off, oh your sales records are not at par. Like it it not it's not twisted to become something else. And so for that reason, we are relieving you of your duties. This punishment did not apply to the father of the child. He kept his job and even earned himself a promotion a few months after. It was almost as if they were punishing her for choosing to carry the pregnancy to term. 
Sadly, unfair work policies like this are quite common and often impact the career trajectory of women. According to the Oxford Human Rights Hub, women worldwide experience more discrimination at work than their male counterparts. There's a lot of, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness, really. That's, yeah, just a lot of, it's not even anger, it's it's rage. It's it's a very raw form of rage. Yeah, because I was thinking, okay, so now I have to figure this shit out on my own. So um uh, now a few weeks before the baby was born, by then now my parents had come around. So then hence they were buying the diapers and the socks and whatnot. So my dad told me, you know, we care about you and we don't want you to you know, struggle in the third trimester alone. I mean, with your cooking, I was tired, I was heavy, I was round, my face was round, my nose was round. I, you know, I was just tired, I was done. So my dad came and actually picked me from where I lived. I'll never forget that day he came, he picked me, like he he came and helped. I didn't help move my things because I didn't have the energy and the stomach to carry my own things. So he came with, I think, one, one more person and they carried all my stuff back home and was like no we don't want you staying alone I mean you're almost due you need some form of support so please come back I'll never forget he said please come back home oh god again cue that in I ugly cried <laughs> after the break we hear all about Samuina's labor and childbirth experience Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin. You already know me, host and producer of I Like Girls. I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about the podcast newsletter. I'd like you to join the I Like Girls community by subscribing to our newsletter. Every Tuesday at 12pm, through the newsletter, we'll send out behind-the-scenes information on topics, guests, and recordings of all our episodes. That means as a subscriber, you have first-hand information about our episodes that others don't have access to. And that's not all. You'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. You will also be notified early about any of our activities, like the availability of merch, secret podcast events, and bonus episodes. So subscribe to our newsletter by clicking the link in the episode notes as you listen. It takes less than 30 seconds to subscribe, and I promise we won't spam you. Okay, let's get back to the show. On the 9th of January 2012, around 6 p.m., Samuina went into labor. Twelve hours later, with her mom by her side, she gave birth to a baby boy on the 10th of January 2012. Oh my god, the pain. Yeah, the pain was 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 crazy. It was. So I went to hospital um, all along during my pregnancy. I didn't know the sex of the baby because every time I went to the ultrascan, the baby crossed his legs. So we never knew whether it was a girl or a boy. So um, after delivery, hey, here, you are the proud mom of a baby boy. So congratulations. And then he wailed. And then now that marked the second chapter of the rest of our lives. <laughs> of the rest of our lives. But I was just happy. At that moment, I was just happy. It was over. There was just this, <sighs> this sigh of relief. We are mm-hmm. done with that chapter. We are done with it craze of missed miscarriage and the craze of oh my god am I gonna survive am I gonna die we're done with that 
I'm sorry to be a party pooper, but the relief Samoina felt did not particularly translate to things getting better. She struggled a lot with motherhood, despite the support she got from her family. But because I was really struggling during pregnancy, it just continued after the baby came. And much more so because I got a baby who did not sleep. Uh, I remember the first week of his life. I never lay my back on the bed because he'd sleep and wake up every 15 minutes. I was going crazy. I was absolutely, he would not sleep. I had, in the first few days, I could not get him to latch. So I had sore nipples. At some point, I was bleeding. Um, I During delivery, I think I had a second degree tear. So I had some stitches done. Like my body just felt like it was not mine anymore. So I'm not sleeping. Sleep deprivation is really... Ah, it's the worst, honestly. You, you're not sleeping. You're not getting any sleep. By the way, the father of her child was nowhere to be found. He didn't show up at the hospital. He didn't even put a call through. It was just, it was just so much going on. And at the same time, I'm... Okay, but rewind back a bit. My parents had made it clear to me that I'd be the one to sort out my hospital bill. And I didn't have a problem with that because they told me up front. I wasn't expecting them to pay. Um, and so at the back of my mind, I'm having this outlook of, will the money be enough? Will I afford to buy diapers? Will, I, will this baby need formula and all that? Ah, there's just so much going on. So my body feels so different. My stomach is still having a life of its own. I am still bleeding. I am having hemorrhoids. And they are, oh my God, they are very, very painful. I still haven't healed after birth. I have sore nipples. At some point, the nipples were bleeding. It was excruciating breastfeeding this baby. It was excruciating going to the toilet. This baby was not sleeping. Samoina had nobody she could turn to within her immediate circle of friends. They didn't have kids, so they could not relate to what she was going through. That's when the weird thoughts started creeping in. So now my, my brain just started, you know, going into a world of its own and... There are days he'd cry and I'd think, okay, how about I'm just going to stuff a pillow in your face and then this is the last time you're going to cry because it, it started getting to my head, you know. I started having a lot of, again, suicide ideation. So I'm, I'm again, I won't go into methods, but I'm Googling all these methods. What is the most painless way? You know, how can it look? accidental and I started having visions and maybe the sleep deprivation I don't know but I started seeing things and I remember at some point I wouldn't go to the kitchen at all. It got so bad that she started avoiding contact with sharp objects because she feared that she could harm her baby with them. So I tell my mom like please make the meals please make my meals and then just leave them on the table. I don't know if I've ever told her why I used to do that. But because in my head, I'd, I'd, I'd see myself stabbing my son in, my, in, in his back. And in my head, I'd, fresh blood has a smell. So I'd start, I don't know whether it was a sleep deprivation, but I'd start to um, smell that blood. I'd start to feel my hands get warm with his blood. And so I'd never, ever go to the kitchen, ever, if I was alone. Because I feared I might go to the kitchen and then that will now just come and become a reality. 
But it was very scary because who do you tell these things? Five months into being a mom, something happened that changed everything for Simona. But now the day that I knew like something is terribly wrong, it was five months. And he'd been crying. Oh my God, he'd been crying the whole freaking night. So roll over to the other day, to a new day. My parents have gone to work. My sister's gone to campus. It's just me and him. And he's still crying. And I remember I just looked at him. And like in that split second, I just slapped him. It's not something I say and wear like a badge of honor. No. I feel bad about it. Samuina was devastated. And I promise you, it wasn't an easy conversation to have. She felt so bad about what she did that she decided to seek help. She wanted answers to what was wrong with her. Me um, slapping him was not the day I knew. If I've been thinking I don't have a problem, today I know I have a problem. Like, I remember he was so shocked. Now, you know, now I look back and I'm like, he was so shocked. He just shut up. He, he froze. Kind of like what you said, I froze on the screen. That's, he just froze and looked at me like this. And then I remember just thinking, oh my God, what have I done? So I just took him. I put him on the seat and I went out. Cue that in again. I ugly cried. Because I'm like, I can't, what is this I've turned into? Why am I struggling so much? Why is motherhood so effing hard? Like, nothing prepared me for this. Like, I could handle the labor pains because the labor pains come and go. And you're okay. But that, that mental, um, that mental turmoil, that's, emotional turmoil, nothing could have prepared me for that. So I remember I googled and I was like, why do I hate my child so much? Because that's that's what I thought described what I felt. I, I just kept thinking, motherhood is not for me. It is for them, those ones, those, those other moms. But me, it's not for me. I'm struggling. And, and then the first thing that came up was, postpartum depression and I'm thinking huh postpartum depression I had never my entire life I'd never heard about postpartum depression so I'm like huh it's actually a name for it so I remember thinking yay I have a name for it maybe if, if I if I was to do a self-diagnosis and just think this could be it you cannot imagine the relief Samoina felt knowing that there's a name for what she had Postpartum depression is a complex mix of physical, emotional, and behavioral changes that happen in women after giving birth. It's a form of depression that affects one in five women worldwide. I remember just thinking, gosh, this is hard. Now, postpartum depression, now where do we start? Who do we tell? What is this? How do I deal? Why didn't anyone tell me moms can actually get depressed? So, um, so now I knew what it is, but that's it. What do I do with that information? So I remember now I just started writing a lot. And I don't know if I still have those channels. I'd be scared to read them right now anyway. 
Despite knowing she was experiencing postpartum depression, Samwina didn't know where to turn to for help. She kind of just continued struggling while freelancing as a writer on the side to make some money to buy diapers. Five months after that self-diagnosis, she found help in the most random way. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then I'll tell you all about it. I used to be the biggest impulse spender. As long as I had money in my account, I would always find something to spend it on. Food, clothes, shoes, you name it. I just couldn't resist the temptation to spend. Piggy Vest saved me, especially its safe lock feature. Whenever I have money lying around that I do not want to be tempted to spend, I immediately put it in a safe lock. Then I can spend the upfront interest I get without any guilt. I also love that I can lock my money for as little as 10 days. Honestly, not using the safe lock option on Piggy Vest is like building a house without a roof. Start saving with Piggy Vest today. Before the break, I promised to tell you how Samoina got help for postpartum depression. It was at a Bible study meeting with some friends she met online. She came with her son, who was a little over a year old. If you know toddlers, they have, they have a crazy amount of energy. So it's all over the place. And I'm getting tired of following him around. So I don't know. I think I snapped. I Like in a moment of anger, I just snapped. And one of the ladies looked at me and she was like, oh my God, I think you're struggling with postpartum depression. I think you're struggling with a lot of anger. Here's a number of a lady who can help you. Um, so I asked her about the, the, the therapist fee and she was like a certain amount. And I remember just thinking to myself, oh my God, in between looking for diapers and uh, trying to make money for emergency clinics, I don't think I have that that amount of money. And she was like, I'm going to pay for you the first, I think the first couple of sessions. So she was like, literally all I need you to do is to go show up. I'll, at least you can get some, some fare, you can get some transport money, but don't worry about the sessions, just show up. And that I'd say was, it was it was life changing because then now therapy helped me understand. So this is why I'm struggling. Therapy helped me see the risk factors. It helped me see the the things that had contributed to my mental state. Therapy was life changing for Samoina. She walked through all her emotions: the anger, the pain, the absence of her child's father, the struggle of motherhood, all of it. Just getting that therapy, getting that safe space. For the first time, I had someone who I could tell, I feel suicidal, I've felt suicidal or I've felt like I'm, I'm going to kill this child. And they didn't look at me like, oh my God, do you know God's going to judge you? Do you know God? For the first time, I had someone who listened. They were a safe space. They listened. They gave me time to... I ugly cried so many times in that office. Ay, ay, ay. I, I ugly cried a lot. I cry a lot, but I think by now you know that. But in that office, I cried quite a bit. And she she just listened. She'd never rush me through. She'd never, like, you know, try to tell me, no, you know, like, wipe your tears, let us continue. No, she'd just give you serviettes, give you a moment to breathe, to inhale, to wipe your tears, to snort, da-da-da-da. She was a gracious, gracious lady. So it was very helpful. Samwina started blogging as an outlet for her emotions and to let other people who were going through similar ordeal know that they're not alone. I I remember thinking to myself, if 
if I'm struggling with raising this child as a single, as a young single parent, because by then I was 23, there must be other moms who are struggling, you know. So I just started blogging. And then I've, like for the longest time, I've always loved writing. You know, I've always just loved either I have about 15 journals. <laughs> so in addition to ugly crying, I also write a lot. So... I, I like to write and I thought if I'm struggling, there must be a mom somewhere who's also struggling. So I just started writing my experiences and I, I decided like from the get-go, I was not going to sugarcoat it. I was just going to write it as it is. Like today I struggled and I snapped at my son and I feel so horrible about it and I feel so guilty. Her blog gained a bit of traction locally. So in 2016, she took it to a bigger platform, Facebook. So now I started a page called Postpartum Depression Kenya like a page just so that I can post about memes, I can make fun of politicians in this country on my page, but if you if you want to talk mental stuff, let's meet on that other page. So that's how it started. Um, yeah. Samoina realized that postpartum depression Kenya could be bigger, so she decided to register it officially as a non-profit. To be clear, Samoina and her co-founder don't claim to be experts, the organization offers peer support to affected mom and dads and encourage them to seek help for postpartum depression. So then the idea was, let's offer psychosocial support as moms who have been there. So we are not trying to take the place of a psychologist. In fact, what we tell these moms is, we're going to meet you where you are. We're going to help you. We're going to journey with you. We're going to walk with you. But we still advise you to see a psychologist because we are not taking that place. We are merely holding your hand. So at, at, at the point we were registering the organization, it was to create support groups, to create safe spaces for women, to come, for mothers to come and say, hey, this is what my mental health looks like. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what is hard for me. This is what it's been like for me. Postpartum Depression Kenya has been able to cater to these needs of women through a network of volunteers. But access to mental health professionals for treatment is not affordable for the average Kenyan mom. So it's it's been a challenge, you know, just to to create that bridge to have people find the help that they need. Um, so before Corona, we really tried to leverage on support groups, or, uh, online and physical. Gladly then we could meet physically. Um, and, and there were amazing sessions, to be honest. It has been a couple of years since Samoina started postpartum depression Kenya. There have been challenges managing the organization, especially in a pandemic. But she stays motivated by the success stories. Um, this At the start of this year, mom reached out. And she was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I couldn't tell their name. Like, I couldn't place them. But then, like, three years ago, I was struggling with my mental health because I had hyperemesis gravidarum, the ex extreme vomiting during pregnancy. And she was like, you really listened to me. And I just wanted to come back and say thank you to you guys. And... I just, you know, started getting emotional because I'm like, I couldn't even remember who they were, but they remembered that we walked with them at some point in their life. And it's it's been rewarding in that sense. Samwina says the organization is making plans to stick to virtual sessions for moms because of the pandemic. She and her co-founder are working hard to ensure that even though it's virtual, it's still a safe space for moms. For us, it underpins like just the important the importance of that social support because it lets moms know that you're not struggling alone. I look put together right now. Um, 
again, this is 11 years later, I've lost weight because I've been working out. But I mean, um, the struggles that moms go through, it's it's common for many mothers, but we, you just won't see someone share it on Instagram. So we want to create those safe spaces for moms to say, this is what I'm struggling with. And for us to remind them that you're not alone. And if we pulled through, we've been, uh, me and the other volunteers who've been through therapy and have come out on the other side, if we pull through, then you can also, you can also pull through. Postpartum Depression Kenya is open to partnerships and donations. So hit the link in the episode description if you'd like to help Samoina help other women going through this. Let's take a quick break before wrapping up Samoina's story. Hi, my name is Tonya, ex 9 to fiver and current bakery owner. I was able to achieve my long life dream of owning a business, all thanks to the target savings feature on PiggyVest. I knew working for another person wouldn't bring me joy, so I started planning my exit. To own a business, I knew I needed capital, a location, equipment, and staff. So I created a personal target plan and started saving weekly. 12 months later, I am happy to say that I am the proud owner of Bell's Bakery. With Piggyvest, there's no dream too big for you to achieve. So please don't stop dreaming. Visit piggyvest.com or download Piggyvest from Google Play or Apple Store and register to start using the target saving option today. Besides running postpartum depression Kenya, Samoina works as a freelance writer. She's also a mom to an 11-year-old. That's got to be overwhelming. I asked her how she's able to manage all of it. So how do you take care of yourself? Because I don't want to be helping Aisha and I'm neglecting my own child. I cannot be on a call with Aisha for seven hours, and I don't know if my child has fed. So how, this is that constant balancing act. How do I make sure that I'm not pouring from an empty cup, but at the same time, I'm supporting moms? And, and I've learned, I won't say I'm perfect at it, but I've learned to set boundaries. I've learned to tell moms I am available between this time and this time. And if, if if you reach me at this time and you don't find me, please know I'm either taking care of myself or I'm taking care of my child or I'm just refilling my cup. And it's a difficult, it's it's a difficult decision to make, but you realize that if you don't do that, Aisha, you will burn out. My conversation with Samoina lasted two hours. There was so much to unpack, and I'm grateful that she shared many parts of her journey on the podcast. This is the first time I'm telling my story on a audiovisual platform <laughs> in such a raw, raw manner. And, and it's, I, I don't know, I guess I needed that. Because it's also showing me how far, like once you, when you get rid of, when you get postpartum depression, can you show me a picture? It's showing me how far we've come. I've come as a mom, how far I've come as a human being, how far I've come with my mental health. I, I don't struggle as much with suicide ideation right now. I have days I struggle like with depressive episodes. My mental health just sticks a deep. But I it's not as bad as it was. So even hearing myself going back in time and talking about those days and seeing where I am right now, I, I don't you know, I'm not struggling with the thought of killing myself or my child. I'm not, I'm not struggling with that anymore. It's, 
it's really been a journey so it's the first time I'm sharing like to this depth and I don't know I'm, I'm very glad I don't know how the podcast will be received maybe I will listen to it like for the first six months after it airs I don't know but I'm, I'm hoping it encourages someone really and, and shout out to my family for them the incredible support I would not be here if my family was not supportive that much I know so I'm very very grateful for them as well Samoina has indeed come a long way in her struggle with postpartum depression she's much better than she was many years ago and she's helping other women get to where she is as well for mothers out there feeling down and struggling with pregnancy and childbirth please reach out to a licensed mental health professional I know that you're not alone and this is definitely not your fault. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Like Girls. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you'd like to get in touch, visit 27productions.co. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at I Like Girls Pod. Also, please rate and review us on whatever streaming platform you're listening on. Rating us helps a lot. This episode is produced by me, Aisha Salahuddin, and written by Sami Atalamutu. Audio engineering is by Dusky. Our editor is Ruth Olurumbi, and our theme music is by Banks with a double G. The other music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Piggyverse for sponsoring this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.